Lord Jesus, I pray for Your grace and power to be poured out tonight. Father, for the grace of God to be poured out. Father, I pray that as we look at the cost of discipleship, You would teach us. Teach us something about the cost of discipleship. The price that Jesus paid and what He calls us to. Pray for the outpouring the grace of God to fall upon each one of these young people. Lord, I pray that you help me to be real and honest with them about my own life. And Father, I pray for your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, this one didn't last long either. I've got a very heavy Bible. That's what it is. Anyway, I'm going to just hold this thing. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth, for I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the, the members of his own household. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. For I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Osama bin Laden didn't say that. Jesus said that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. That's what he said. Matthew 10, 34. These are strong words. I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. For he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. And unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. That's what he says in John chapter 12. And here in Matthew chapter 10, he says, And he who has found his life shall lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. These are sobering words if you really think about it. He's calling us to something different. He says in Matthew 10, verse 32, Therefore everyone who confesses me before men. I will also confess Him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny Him before my Father who is in heaven. So He says, whatever you do, I will do the same. Whatever you do before men, I will do the same to you before my Father who is in heaven. That's what he says. You say, well, that's being a little bit hard. Well, take it up with him then. 
All I'm doing is reading the scriptures. Jesus said that. That if I confess him before men, he will confess me before his Father who is in heaven. So that one day, if I've confessed him before men, Jesus will say, Oh, Father, I want you to meet this friend of mine. If I deny him before men, Jesus will say, Oh, Father, you don't want to meet him. I guess from the same thing we could, we could say that if I don't say anything about him to anyone, he won't say anything to his father about me or about you. He calls us to something. There's a price to pay here. He calls us to something. And then in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And men of violence take it by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And men of violence take it by force. Once asked a man, Christian man, teacher in a church, I quoted that verse. I said, where do you think that's from? He said, I don't know, the Quran? In strong verses. He says, that, what did you go out to see when you went to see John the Baptist? Did you try to go out to see a reed shaken in the wind? You're not going to find that. Did you go out to, find so, to look at somebody who was had soft clothing on. So you'll find that in king's palaces. It wasn't John the Baptist. He says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and men of violence take it by force. There is something that is before us that you and I have to take hold of. There's a call on our lives. He calls us to something greater. And I have this tendency to want to shrink back. And I'm constantly being pulled to go beyond. Many of you will find this hard to believe. But it is true. I find, it, I find myself totally inadequate to stand before young people and speak the Scriptures. Every Sunday morning before I walk into that Sunday school class that I teach, I just think, oh Lord, I have to do it again. I feel totally inadequate. And it is hard for people to believe that because they think, oh, you just go in there and do it. And when I get home, you know, the house is filling up with young people. And I go up to my room and I just close my eyes and I think, Lord, we did it again. We did it again. And I feel so emotionally and psychologically drained after that time. And nobody knows it except me and the Lord. 
and my wife. Nobody else knows it. Except you now. But I do this because of the call of God on my life. Because I want Him to confess my name before His Father. I feel so inadequate. When I was a boy, I, I could never look at, a, at an adult in the face. My mother always used to say, look, look, look. I just couldn't do it. And I used to chew the end of my sleeve out of nervousness. Especially when I was talking to an adult. And what does God do? But He drops me in front of thousands of people to speak my word. Speak. I feel totally inadequate. Yet I want Him to confess me before His Father. And He says, Men of violence, take this by force. You take the kingdom of God and it is not easy. But my life is so much more blessed than my colleagues, than the people that I went to school with. Because of Jesus. Because of Him. He gives so much. In James, James chapter 2, it's a very interesting portion, which most evangelicals don't like to read because it upsets things. James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is without clothing or in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. You show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by another way. For just as the body is dead without the spirit, so also faith without works is dead 
God calls us to do something. We are not justified by faith alone, the scriptures say. I'm just reading the scriptures. If you have a problem with that page, just tear it out. Tear out all the other pages that you have problems with. It's there. God has called us to something. And it is not enough to say, I believe. He says, the demons in hell believe. And they believe so strongly, they get scared. They shudder at His name. He's called us to something. It says, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. What must a man do to be saved? We have to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that He's risen from the dead. And that's why I use this as a test to see where people are. But then beyond that, it says that we are justified by works and not faith alone. God calls us to something. We've got to do something. We have to be busy about the Lord's work. And I look at my life. I got saved at the age of 18. I was a freshman in college, November 7th of my freshman year. So campus ministry means a lot to me. I got saved because some other student decided to share Christ with me. And I look at my life and I think, where would I have been without the Lord? My life is so much better than everybody that I knew and what He's done with my life. And it's because of Him. And when we're busy about His work and we're selfless with our time, He blesses so much. His blessing is there. I don't know if you've ever tried, if you've ever... You know, guys do this with girls that they like that are not saved. There's a girl you like who's not saved. And girls do this with guys that they like who are not saved. And they think they're such a wonderful person, they're just not saved. And you begin to try to share some scripture with them and think that they're going to get all excited about this. And they don't. You know, look at what the Lord's doing in my life. And they're like... Because without the Spirit being alive in them... It makes no sense. It's dead. The body without the Spirit is dead. There's no life there. You must first get them saved. They're wonderful people. They really are. That's why Jesus died for them. They don't know the Lord, and so there's something's not going in. It just doesn't make sense to them. And he says, Faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. In verse 17 of James chapter 2. And then in verse, in verse 20, he says, Faith without works is useless. It does no good. It's useless. I didn't say that. He did. The Bible says that. God didn't want it in there. He wouldn't have put it in there. I mean, these are powerful words that he calls us to. 
Look in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. But Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slaves to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I've married a wife. For that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. And then the head of the household came, became angry, and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you've commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Jesus is making reference to the religious leaders in Israel, but the application extends far beyond that. When invited to the dinner feast, a man says, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. You buy a piece of land, the land doesn't go away. I just want to go out and look at that land. Well, go after the feast. Land doesn't disappear. It's there. You know, if you've made an investment in something, that may disappear. But the land, I mean, the land is there. Even to this day, all that land in Israel is still there. It's full of rocks. It's all there. So I've got to go out and look at it? He's just like, you look at it? I thought you'd look at it before you bought it. The next guy says, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I thought you'd have tried them out before you bought them. I didn't mean try them out. I ain't going to you know, plant something, dig up the ground. You're just going to try them out. Well, let me try this yoke here and take it and try that yoke. I'm going to try that yoke. Oh, yeah, this, this yoke moves a bit faster. Let me try out your yoke of oxen. And how much different can it be? And you think about how silly the excuses are sometimes. Then one guy says, I've married a wife, so I can't come. Now, I've heard believers use this. They get this verse from the Old Testament. All of a sudden, they want to be under the law. The Old Testament verse that says, don't go to war for one year after you get married. And so, by that verse, they excuse themselves from all Christian service. He says, go to war. When's the last time you got killed by attending a meeting? It's going to war. That was so you could raise up an offspring. Make sure you had a baby. Before you took off to war. Not going to war by you know going out and witnessing. That's not war. Could how many of your people got killed last year by sharing Christ? None. Okay, that's what I thought. But the excuses that we use. Can you bring your wife along? 
so many excuses come before me. But there is so much blessing when we confess Him. When I was an assistant professor, the first thing I did on the first exam I ever gave was I put a scripture verse at the top. I started doing it. Now, now when I put a scripture verse at the top, people say, oh, well, you can get away with it. You know, you got this reputation. They'd never get rid of you. You can get away with it. Nobody else could. Look, I was doing this from the time I was an assistant professor. I mean, I figured, if you know, I could always stop. You know, I just kept doing it. There's things that Jesus calls us to. And we need to be concerned when we start sliding back and we're not doing much for the Lord. He calls us to something. And things go much better for you in life when you're serving the Lord. When your witness is known. When things about you are known. Things go much better. Plus, he said, by the way, I'll confess you before my Father. That's pretty good. That's a good deal. Look in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 23. Just above this, some people were filling up Jerusalem from all over the place. And they were, when Jesus saw that, he knew that his time was near because everybody was going to come and see him crucified. And in John chapter 12, verse 23, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He doesn't say killed to be glorified. He says, this is my glory. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Remember what it said in Matthew. If you desire to save your life, you will lose it. You will lose it. And I have seen this so many times. All these guys who come and they start working in the university thinking, oh, i got to work day and night, day and night, day and night, being this assistant professor, and that's the only way to make it. And I'm thinking, you're going to lose your life. If you don't learn how to start serving the Lord as a believer, you're going to lose your life. You'll never get tenure. And they don't. Jesus doesn't mess around with this stuff. If you're a believer, He doesn't mess around. You might, but He doesn't. If you desire to save your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for His sake, you will keep your life to life eternal. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. He says the same thing here. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. And whoever serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus says. In verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is the end for him. He says, if you want to serve me, 
you've got to follow me. And I'm on, I'm on my way to the cross. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. I'm going to the cross. That's where you shall go to. Oh, and by the way, he says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Oh, the glory of the honor from God. I just finished an interview this evening with the New York Times. The nano car is going to be put in the automotive section of the New York Times. Then go figure. The automotive section of New York Times. It's in popular mechanics. It's in, it's in everything today. It's in nature.com. I mean, all over. But not just the science stuff. It's all over. I mean, how many chemists get this kind of press? And here's this James Tour guy. I mean, my brother loves cars. My brother, from the time he was four, he was taking apart cars. When he was ten, he started putting them back together again. But he loves cars. He just loves them. None of his cars have ever been in any car magazine. My car... It's going to be in all these car magazines because it's got suspension and it's got these axles and it's got this and everybody and the smallest car that's ever been made or ever will be made. You can't make them smaller than this. We also made one with a little motor in it. We haven't published that one yet. It's got a motor and you shine light on it and the motor goes around and around and around. It's pretty cool. Not too many people can do that. So now I'm Joe Mechanic. God blesses me so much. I turn to my students and in my group, I say, you know, you guys have made me the happiest man on earth. I mean, just the riches that they bring to me from the lab. All this gold, and I don't even have to dig for it. And they just, you know, my name goes on the paper. The little star next to it. Their name has no star. They do all the work. And they, hey, Tour did that. That is referred to. I mean, this is a great life. God. God does all of this. He has given me such a good life. I never knew, never knew that my wife had such an ability to bless people. You think, well, you, you know, you saw it. I had no idea. All I knew, she was a pretty girl and every time I got near her, my heart started pounding. She loved the Lord. That's all I knew. But that she would bring in students into our home and feed them all the time and bring that blessing into our home. I had no idea. But God, who sees the beginning and the end and the present all at the same moment, because he lives outside of time, knew what she was going to be like. He said, I want you for this guy who's confessing me. He does this kind of stuff. That's why he says, oh, by the way, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor Him. There is great honor in serving God. It is not always easy. It is not always easy to speak up. And God has taken the thing that is most difficult for me in standing before people and speaking and saying, you can do that all the time. All the time. 
And I leave these events so drained emotionally. Because it's God. I'm going to take the weak things of the world and confound the wise. The base things of the world and the despised. And the things that are not. That I might nullify the things that are. That's what he says he's going to do. He takes us in our weakness and makes it our strength. This is what he does. You think of your weakness, God will make it your strength. Wherever I go, whether I'm talking about nanotechnology or the Bible or about chemistry or about molecular electronics, wherever I go, people say, something different about me. Man, you explain this stuff so well. We've got to have you back here again. I'm like, oh, don't make me come back here again. It's God. God takes our weakness and makes it our strength. And it is not always easy. That's why Jesus says, Now my soul has become troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And a voice came out of heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Now my soul has become troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Father, glorify your name with my life. Glorify your name. There is a cost to discipleship. And the cost is great. But there is glory there. And there is this temptation and this urge to settle back in life. To say, ah, I won't do it. Let's do that. And you lose your life as a result. Because faith without works is dead. Being by itself, it is dead. It is like this, the body without the spirit is dead. It's that dead. You want the best for your family. You want the best for your future. You want the best in a spouse. You serve God where you're at. And students think, well, I'm only here for four years. When I get done, I'll start serving. Baloney. You won't. Moses was faithful with God in all of God's household, the scriptures say. Wherever you are, you serve. Four years in one place is a long time in this transient society. You serve God. In any way that he has. And we are all different. We're not monolithic. Everybody's got a different ministry. I mean, sometimes I look at what I do in my Sunday school class and I think, I do such a poor job. All I do is stand up there and I just spit out these words. And I never teach students how to gather in little circles and pray like you did today. I never teach students how to stand up and do other things for themselves like you, know, like you were doing today in here. I know, I don't know how to do that. All I know how to do is get up and, and, you know, just blabber out some things. That's all I know. I give that to the Lord. I don't know how to arrange things. I'm just a dictator. I mean, this is the way I run my lab. You do this. You do that. This is the way I do it. It's all I know how to do. But God blesses it. We're each different. But you have to have some service, some ministry that is hard for you. If it's easy for you, it's not your ministry. It's got to be hard for you. 
so that you say, Father, glorify your name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for these young people. I pray your blessing, great blessing to be upon them. That they would learn the cost of discipleship and they would not have a faith that is useless and dead being by itself. And they would learn to serve you and experience the glory in that. And the honor from the Father as a result of that. I offer their lives to you. And I say, God, take hold of their lives and use these precious young people for your glory. Amen.